So this lecture is going to bridge the gap between ancient Gnostic truths with our modern interpretation of it. And so we're going to be able to learn about this stuff. It's thousands of years old, and we're going to be able to see how it's playing out today, right now. We're going to decode this as the modern mystics that we are. So the game board of the reality has undergone immense change and numerous transformations. And they do this to conceal the tactics and the agendas. However, their control, and I'm talking about the dark forces, that's what we're going to be really getting into today. Their control is slipping through their fingers. And so their demolition plan, the AKA reset, it's in full swing and it's happening. So you want to talk about the apocalypse, it's happening now and it's been happening, but people are comfortably numb now. And so it's not exactly looking like the way we expected it to, or the way that they programmed us to believe it looks like it. No, no, they want us very passive about this. They want the divine masculine to be sitting back overweight, jerking off. Okay. And they want the divine feminine to be taking selfies and getting plastic surgery so that they are not in their power when shit goes down, which is what's happening now. And at these levels, they're no longer hiding it. Okay. They're very straightforward about it. They will lie about it. They will pretend like it's not happening. Um, and we're going to also delve into this later as well. And I want to hear your opinion about this. So without further ado, let's begin the apex of cosmic warfare, unveiling archons, exploring aeonic realms, and awakening to spiritual resilience. So here we have an entity who has conjured Lush. Okay, this is the sustenance that these entities feed off of to survive. It's anthropomorphized itself. It's revealing his ability to influence the human realm behind the veil. So these suckers play dirty. And they have no unique power because they're all linked to one entity. They're all linked to one dark, powerful, chaotic entity. Um, and this is the same way that the hive mind works with humans. It's all linked to the same entity. It just plays out differently. And if you've ever seen glimpses of this force, what it's like, what it what it resonates with, it's grotesque. And it can disguise itself in any shape, any form, any person. Okay, so this is the hive mind. And we think it's not a big deal because it just looks like people, right? It can be your family. It can be your friends. It can be your neighbor. They look like normal people. Only difference is, is that they're running on autopilot. And so they're not tapped into their divine spark. And therefore, they're not in control of the reality. And if you're not in control of your reality, that means something else is. And it's this force. Um, and consequently, they're supporting it. They're supporting the archontic force um, and the Satanists, term of fallen angels. So Yaldavoth brought the material universe into being inadvertently relinquishing his supreme power in the process. And this is why we see gods at war with one another, okay? This is why we have different interpretations of the same story, right? The Bible, the Torah, the Quran. So I'm going to share some, something with you guys next. Um, and it's a scene from Dota, Dragon's Blood. 
I don't know if you guys have watched this. It's on Netflix and it's uh, a series that have to do with different gods and um, planetary uh, forces as well. And so this scene here is from Selamemi and she is the goddess of the moon. And um, at this point here, she you're going to see the way she's able to sustain her power. Return to the material plane. She will have no memory of this and no only renewed, intense love for me. I don't see the harm. You never do. At, um, let me get our faces up here. So you can see that they're literal vampires, okay? And in the sense that nothing means more to them than obtaining human energy. Okay, this is where we get, um, a lot of the need for these religious pushes, right? They need people to believe in them, to praise them, to feed them. And um, let's just continue here. I just thought that was a perfect example of how it works behind the veil, okay? This is literally how it works. And she straight up said, well, you know, I killed her now. I got her energy. She automatically started glowing and lighting up after she absorbed her soul essence. And then she goes, I just recycled her back in. She gets her mind wiped. She won't remember. She won't remember a thing. She'll be born again, and she'll praise me even more next time. So that's exactly how it works. So yeah, we're going to shift our focus to this for a while, and you're going to come to understand that we possess a unique ability. Our ability is that we can create from nothing. Okay, and I had just said that the archons don't have this ability. They can create stuff but it has to be from something, which that's why they invert things, right? They created this reality, a mirror image, a fractal mirrored image of the higher aeons, right? But we, that's, we can create from nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean, we can create something from a thought, our thought power. Our thought power is so powerful, you guys. And that's what we can kind of shift into this gear now where, all right, so we have all these counter opposing fo forces, right? But why is this web that they, that they weave so big? 
it is because they are contain trying to contain this power within us. They don't want us to escape out of here, right? And so we're going to talk about this because this is one of the many ways that you could begin working towards evolving yourself out of these lower aeons. And so our thoughts alone hold the potential to animate objects and conjure entities into existence. So this profound capacity is precisely what the archons rely on and they exploit as well. They depend on humanity to sustain their system. This is why people refer to humans as batteries, right? And with their grasp on this, they manipulate those who remain unawakened to energy energetically fuel their agendas. So um, let's get into egregors a bit more. So the original uh, Greek meaning for the word egregor is wakeful or watcher. It was uh, documented in the book of Enoch as well as the watcher. So it's a group, basically what an egregor is, is a group of people coming together with the same intention, fueling a thought form to create an entity. This entity will have the power to influence, to influence an agenda. So they, they might look nice, but they are branded. So just like that initial entity I showed you guys in the beginning with the beaming eyes, that's what's working behind these, you know, the Virgin Mary here or behind Santa Claus, um, the multi-generational egregor here with the Bush family, a lot of the times being produced by the dark cult magicians. Okay. This is something that they would do. This is their type of magic. They need human thought power to produce this. So we are that powerful that we create these energetic forces behind the veil. We summon them into existence. So we are the true creators, okay? Now, something about these entities is that just like humans, they need rest as well, you can say, right? And so some of them might be super prevalent for a while. So a sports team can be considered an egregor. It's branded. It has a logo. People feed the logo energetically. People recognize it right away. It becomes a sentient type of creature. And so you might have, like, let's say the soccer team here is, I'm not even, let's say LA Galaxy. I think that's one of the teams. This team might be on a winning streak for like five years and it's amped and it's amped and it's amped. And then after that, they're just in the back seat, and some other team comes in and just starts killing it, right? And so we see this happening a lot with celebrities as well. A lot of these celebrities, they're inhabiting a body with an external force. It could be a gin, it could be something crazy, right? And so they'll be super, super relevant out of nowhere, like bam, they've got something about them. And it's this force working behind them that the people feel captivated towards. It's a magnetic force in that sense. And so this is why we see humanity running on these cycles. There's like this buildup and then there's a breakdown as well. So it's never just this easy, breezy, flowy process. It's always got to be sharp and vindictive in this sense. So this causes the archons to have a huge hatred towards humanity and extreme jealousy and envy that blinds them. And you can't just think that you believe something when creating something like an egregor. You have to know it. All right. So 
basically what you see here with these people are our convenience because these people are going crazy over a false image, a branded image of the archons. And they become blinded by the false light. This is the false light. It's known as the counterfeit spirit. Uh, counterfeit spirit. Um, people will kill in the name of these things. People will kill in the name of religion. People will kill in the name of their deity. People will sacrifice in the name of the deity because it blinds them. It's a counterfeit spirit. And just like we saw Salamene, Salamene with her worship, uh, follower worshiping her, she was blinded by this by this sensation that she felt, right? It's the false, the false light, the counterfeit spirit. Scene. This is a super quick scene. This is from the show American Gods. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I just discovered it and I'm floored by what they're showing us in this show. This is a scene of Ostara. Ostara is the pagan goddess who is the goddess of fertility, of the dawn, and of the spring equinox. And in this scene, it's Easter. Uh, she is Easter itself, basically. People would use the hair to the rabbit, the hare, um, to symbolize fertility, which is what she's known for. And they would use the egg to symbolize new life. And so, of course, the Christians came along and they copied all of the pagan holidays. And what did the Christians do? They thought, why don't we add a um, some necromancy? We'll add a resurrection during this day just to kind of, you know, build on it a little more. And that's the way they do things. And so in this scene, Odin, if you know who Odin is, you'll see him in a second. He's wanting to recruit Ostara, the goddess, to fight with him with the old gods versus the AI gods, which the AI god is Galdaboeth. And in my opinion, the old gods would be like the archons he created that rebelled against him. So it's really interesting. All right, so here we go. Could you hear the, the clips okay before? Yeah, okay. Cool. Only to impart some wisdom. There's far too many secret societies. They have no loyalty and no love. They range from barely competent to deeply dangerous. You don't sound like one of us. I'm not one of you. Oh, yes, you are. You're as forgotten, as unloved, and as unremembered as any of us. I'm doing just fine. Happy Easter. Christ has risen. Hello, boys. You were before these assholes were born. Until the day that Jesus Christ crawled out of his stinky old grave, folks would paint eggs with dandelions and paprika for her to exchange his gifts at the first sign of spring in her name, Ostara. They still do. They still do. On my festival days, they still feast on eggs and rabbit and candy, and they do it in my name. Serious question, my dear. I've no doubt that millions upon millions exchange tokens and observe the rituals of your festival all down to the hunting of the hidden eggs. But does anybody pray in your name? Do they say it in worship? Oh, they mouth your name, mm, but they have no idea what it means. None whatsoever. Same every spring. You do all the work, he gets all the prayers. What has gotten into you? I feel terrible about this. No, no. It's her <laughs> day. You took it. You crucified her day. When they started following you, everybody else got burned. In your name. Happy fucking Easter! <laughs> okay, so that was kind of funny, but what she said in the very beginning... She said she's telling Shadow Moon, she goes, there are far too many societies out there. They have no loyalty, no love. They 
range from barely competent to highly dangerous. But it's like we're stuck down in this cave, right? Like, how do we see beyond it? Is there a way out? How do we find liberation, right? All these, all these questions. Well, we have to learn how to live beyond survival. So with that, we're going to start to kind of talk about what's preventing us from already being there. What's preventing you from already being there, really sorting through some of this stuff and, and what we're here at the school for really. And, you know, I see a lot of people dipping their toes in both pools. And I had mentioned this in a recent share with you guys in the school. And it's, the fact that people still, we all still need to clear the Watiko within us, right? The Watiko is the mind virus. The mind virus is a parasitic energy that is coming in from the archontic forces. They influence us in so many ways and it's a mass brainwashing, but, but it's a clearing that we have to constantly keep doing within ourselves because you're not going to be able to break free from their control. So what I'm trying to say is you can't have it both ways. There has to be a line that you don't cross to remain within the higher aeonic type of reality because it can be found here because it is here because Sophia's spirit is still all around. The spark is within us. And so we're able to create something from nothing. So we are it. We are literally it. And it's, it's available to us, right? But if we're still dipping our finger in here, still, so maybe your vice my vice uh, for a long time was people pleasing. That's a vice. That is a big vice because you get gaslit by people left and right. Everything is a distraction besides when you are living your dharma or besides when you are emitting or receiving love, right? When you are in the heart or when you are living your dharma, okay? Every single thing else is going to be a distraction no matter what it looks like. And so- you know, what is it within you that comes up when I talk about this? And what are you going to do to break free of this tie so that you can unplug yourself from the lower aeonic type of energies? Because you are not going to get influenced or submerged within the collective dream if you're not waiting in that pool. So it's a lifelong process to continue cleansing ourselves of this type of energy and really begin to like map out, all right, what is, you're going to notice these things when you start engaging in activity or emotions where you start to kind of feel a guilt. There's a guilt that's going to come up, right? And so for myself, when I was uh, like, let's say I was eating, I was eating chicken at that time. Why did I stop eating chicken? Because my consciousness kicked in and I started feeling an immediate guilt when I would eat it. And after a while, that guilt starts to notch you. And so you have to make the decision. Am I going to stop eating meat? Yes or no? Okay, I am. And then it takes some time. And then it's a dream of the past. It no longer even has an effect on you. And so there are so many of these types of things that go on within us and that lure us back into the collective slumber. And so you got to start sifting through all of that. Another thing as well is focusing on the centers within you 
that allow you to go beyond this construct, that allow you to connect to the higher energy streams. And we all know that that's going to be the crown. The crown is the way out, getting that activated, getting the connection. Okay, Thanuja and I were just talking and oftentimes we think that while we're connecting, that we should always just focus also on the energy going up and leaving. But actually we can be here moving in our holographic bodies with the energy coming to us here as we are grounded down to the Sophionic intelligence of the earth here.